Hi, this is Michael Lowe, and you're listening to May I Ask You a Question. In the last episode, we spoke with Ben Keller about life during COVID-19. This episode, we comment on and process aspects of the American conversation on race, a topic I'm continually curious about and wrestling with. Thanks for listening. Let's, yeah, let's move to another subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned uh, Francis Grimke. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, talking about race relations. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, On the last blurb that I did on the podcast, I just kind of mentioned that it, it's just been a lot to wrestle through, and I don't have perspective on it. I don't have... Um, I would like to be able to talk about it with... Uh, some black people to mm-hmm. see to get a better sense of their perspective mm-hmm. um, I have been you know reading and um, watching and just kind of listening to different pieces of content um, just to kind of try and get a better sense for the perspective how have you been processing through all of it uh, uh, I mean yeah I mean it, it, it's uh, charged in so many ways historically yeah. and otherwise yeah well um, just to be clear, I am a middle-aged Chinese man, and you are a middle-aged yeah, white a, man, right? And white in the sense of a a, a mutt of Irish, German, Yugoslavian, and uh, Norwegian. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mine is East Asian. Yeah. So essentially the same um, <laughs> perspectives. Yeah. Uh, how have I been thinking through that? Well, this whole uh, is perhaps an unfortunate term to use. If I say that this summer has been incendiary, it's uh, unfortunately more, been more literally true than just figuratively true as far as race relations go. Um, so um, the first... Uh, I would say that as this thing has developed in our country, um, I've been processing it in some ways as a bystander. In other words, I have to um, agree that my um, race relations has not been a focus or driving motivation of uh, my life. However, I have invested long before any of this stuff happened, um, uh, interested in reading guys like uh, Booker T. Washington, Frederick Douglass, Howard Thurman, who would be uh, one of the fathers of the progressive or critical race theory folks. Mm-hmm. Um, even the, the graphic novel, Autobiography of John Lewis, which was fantastic. I recommend that. Um, and also reading um, slave narratives that were captured by, uh, collected and collated by uh, the American government in the 1930s, interviewing ex-slaves. Right. Those are, those are all fascinating to read. Um, so first of all, as a Christian, um, I have to... Uh, I feel like I'm on a firm footing as far as saying that there's uh, whatever term you would want to apply, like racial vainglory or racial enmity, 
I don't see any support for that in scripture as far as that being a good thing or allowable or whatever. There's plenty of war and conflict and stuff between people in the scripture, but nowhere does God in the Old Testament or New Testament prescribe racial enmity. In fact, one of the uh, missionaries along with Paul was um, uh, a black or individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Paul makes explicit in uh, his letters, but also in Acts, particularly Acts 17, as he's preaching the gospel there, that uh, as he's making the case uh, on Mars Hill, that uh, we are all descended from Adam. And as he's painting that story, he's saying there is essentially only one race. So, um, and the Greek term there is ethnos, where we get the term ethnicity. Mm -hmm. So Paul is saying, uh, so while I, Ben, would say, I understand what everybody means by race relations, Mm -hmm. and I understand all those differences, but it is accurate to say uh, uh, that biblically, as far as the lexicon, as far as exegesis, there, uh, there is one race, there are multiple ethnicities. Mm-hmm. I think is the most biblical way of expressing it. So, but I'm not going to play hall monitor with modern linguistics. I understand what people mean when they say people of a different race. Sure, the modern jargon, yeah. Sure. So, um, I think that I'm a call as a Christian to... Um, uh, exercise the fruit of the spirit towards all ethnicities and also see as the the bitterness and hatred that any given ethnicities have toward each other is rooted in um, Genesis 3 and to a lesser extent Genesis 11 when everybody was sent into confusion mm-hmm. um, and it's a sad part of our fallen world, but at, at, when you think about whether you're thinking about the history of Caucasians and Africans in America, that's one layer and that's an important layer, but really you have to kind of drill down and say, okay, why does this white person hate this black person? Why does this, uh, so it's, that's not the fundamental question. And the fundamental question is not even why does this white cop exert his authority or, you know, put his knee on the neck of a uh, black person. That's not even the fundamental question. Because we know that those things can exist. But then as we dig further down, we see, well, wait a minute. Why do people of the same ethnicities hate each other? Why do... um, uh, Why do fathers exert uh, ungodly authority in their family? Why Why does it... For me, racial enmity or ethnic enmity is a symptom that uh, is one of the thousands of symptoms of a, a root cause of sin. And that sin... Um, so I think in addressing racial enmity, we're foolish if we 
certainly as Christians, but even if the world at large, if you're not addressing the root cause of it, which is sin in my worldview, then um, you're going to be, it's going to be the mirage in the desert and that unity and um, panacea and nirvana that you're looking for on earth is never going to happen because it's predicated on things that will uh, always be elusive. So that's why you can't have uh, the you can't have um, someone over here has a, a, a right uh, motivation to see racial unity. <clears throat> but in order to show that they that they want racial unity, they're going to destroy this person's property over here and call them names. Well, what has that helped? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What, what have we accomplished? We haven't moved the bar at all. We just shifted where the evil is. Sometimes it's over there and sometimes it's over here. Sometimes it's over here where a cop is being racist. and Now it's over here where you're throwing bricks at some guy's house that you don't even know because you think he's a racist. Mm -hmm. So... Um, that's kind of a long answer, but generally where I'm at is I think the, the, the Bible is clear on the issue of race. Um, but um, because of sin, we can hate uh, each other for innumerable reasons. Look, so. Um, I... I... I don't know if maybe I'm playing devil's advocate. Um, sure. It it sounds though to, uh, that response. I don't um, disagree with um, the theology of it. Um, I guess the question that has come to me when I uh, hear certain responses, and and I don't always say this uh, with, well, I'll, I'll just say the question is how, how does that address the perspective of the people who are um, who feel oppressed, right, and um, because I can't speak for I, I have not felt oppressed the way that I've heard um, black people say that they've felt oppressed and and I, I've, I haven't experienced um, the fear that I've hear, heard a lot of them talk about um, yeah. and the pain that they've talked about um, but one of the things that as I hear your answer and uh, as, as I hear that that answer, I'm uh, my mind wonders if it feels like a distraction from the problem that Black people are saying exists. Does that make sense? Um, because um, it's it's almost um, I, I guess like if you, if you make it uh, if you compare it to medicine, mm -hmm. right? Like if somebody says. Hey, I am bleeding a lot mm -hmm. out of a, you know a, an important artery. Sure. And you say, well, you know, you haven't been exercising. Right. Like it, it doesn't seem to address the issue. And granted, you know, certain things exercise obviously helps in yeah. in, in the medical comparison. Right. But um, the level of urgency that um, I've heard discussed. Mm -hmm. is uh, whether it's urgency or, or otherwise but like um, does uh, so yeah so I, I mean because the, the answer that you gave is, is very 
it's overarching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't disagree that there is a great sin issue, uh, but to discuss the th- the root cause in um, theological and more on the side of theoretical terms mm-hmm. as opposed to, okay, well, the, th- the theoretical flows into the concrete. Right. And this is the way that it's flowed into the concrete and things seem to be out of uh, proportion such that maybe the concrete needs to be addressed uh, very specifically. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, like I, I personally, within health, I don't always want to uh, treat the symptom because there may be a root cause that's greater, but once certain symptoms demand... Uh, more focus and attention to solve that symptom, and then we can, over a longer period of time, um, address the the root causes because those tend to take longer periods of time. Yeah, um, I would say that. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with what you're saying. Um, I think you, there's certainly with within the framework of um, everybody's a sinner you have the latitude to focus on if there are flashpoints or hot points of discord and um, hatred and animosity, then certainly it's not anti-Christian to focus and say, well, why is this happening here? So I fully agree uh, that, so so some of the most, I think painful photographs for me to look at uh, when you think about history of race relations. You know, there's egregious one, like when you think of Holocaust and stuff like that, which there's lots of egregious ones, or even lynchings and things like that. Mm-hmm. But some of the most painful ones uh, are when you see a photograph of like a, a black person in the South, like at a lunch counter, and there's like 20 white people just staring them down with disdain disdain and just vitriol in their eyes like you do not belong you should not be here mm-hmm. um yeah i recognize that's so i don't deny any of that problem um i think if for me it's a question of how i want to move as quickly as i can um to the gospel and sin for for this reason <clears throat> the the cultural nar- cultural narrative right now is story driven in the sense that people are saying look you need to you need to hear my story and um uh and validate my story mm-hmm. in usually in a racial context or sexual identity context or whatever um, but I would want to quickly move to, well, everybody's got a story. In other words, the fact that you have a story isn't a trump card in itself. Um, and, and, uh, you, you know, if I meet an African American person or whatever, they haven't lived my life. I haven't lived their life. We ought to extend empathy and understanding toward each other. We haven't, so as far as your racial background, you being Mike, uh, like if if Caucasian Ben meets African-American Joe in modern Muckleteo here, 
neither of us have the experience of, you know, the the what were called the coolies coming over to work in California in virtual slave labor conditions mm-hmm. in America, coming over from Asia. We don't have that experience. So um, I would be, and it's, um, here again, I think our, our tendency, and again, I'm a broken record on our sin nature, but our tendency and desire to view ourselves as victims first is um, a problem. Uh, I, and I would say one of the enlightening things is how in, in the 1930s, how um, having read, I would, to be fair, probably maybe a hundred testimonies of ex-slaves, how uh, the, the, the victim mentality was almost entirely missing from their narratives. I don't, their, their experiences varied wildly. Some were like well-treated servants and some were like completely ill-treated, just like your, the modern caricature of what is a slave experience. He's getting whipped all the time. So there, you have all that stuff going on in the South. Mm-hmm. But even the ones who were maltreated um, didn't talk and, and frame their um, story at all in terms of victimhood, feeling bad about uh, you know not wanting to be whipped and all that's that's certainly true. But I'm saying we have to um, uh, even the people who've experienced some of the worst of America which would certainly be African-Americans primarily in the South during slavery. Um, in, in my reading of their testimonies, weren't quick to jump to a victim. Um, so, um, I, mean, well, I don't want to be uncharitable. No, I mean, um, so he, here would be my fear with hearing your answer there is that uh, it would sound dismissive. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, Somebody can can or can't have a, a victim mentality about something, uh-huh. but it, it doesn't mean that the injustice does or does not exist. Right. 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 So the injustice uh, would be a catalyst, right, or mm-hmm. stimulus, mm-hmm. and the response could be, "Oh, I'm a victim," or "I'm not a victim." Um, but uh, I mean, because I mean, I I read a blog about a guy in Southern California, and. They were having, you know, um, uh, my understanding was peaceful protests um, regarding race relations. And then later that night, um, outside their front lawn, they hear some people yelling racial slurs and just vulgar atrocities uh, at them and their family. And and this is (laughs) within 24, 48 hours of... Uh, a peaceful protest, right? And um, and so, uh, I guess the the reason I mean, some people are actually victims, right? Right. And so, whether or not we choose to enrobe ourselves in a victim mentality, I guess, mm-hmm. speaks to a level of self pity and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but um, well, it, no, I think I think uh, that if if you like if you can identify um, 
I'll, I'll try to give some crazy example of, uh, you know, let's say in modern Seattle that it's it, it was shown that, you know, Seattle City Council uh, purposely singled out uh, Hispanic businesses and um, taxed them three times the level of other. Okay, so I would say that is, I'm, so, I'm not going to deny that that injustice occurred. And as much as we can rectify that, but uh, I, we ought to pursue that, as pursue that wrong that was, uh, rectifying that wrong that was um, committed. Now that, that example is, um, kind of easy in the sense that it's easily quantifiable. You know, you have a particular group and you're like, okay, here's the spreadsheet. You know, we, we tax overcharge them by X amount. Um, so I'm not saying that you can't, uh, focus on real, like the lunch counter photo, right? Mm-hmm. It, should we focus on that and should that cause some introspection of a, how would we allow that to happen where we'd have just kind of this mob mentality and racial hatred and bigotry? Yeah, I think you, you have to have those um, conversations. I have a wide distrust that the postmodern apparatus both within and without Christendom, sadly within, but mostly without Christendom, is able to do that in a constructive way. Um. By that I mean, so to put names to it, like things like critical race theory and things like that, do not What is critical race theory? Uh, Critical race theory is the idea that um, white... Um, power and privilege is endemic to American society and um, to the level of uh, but it's a postmodern theory Mm -hmm. and what all postmodern theories have in common is their fundamental hermeneutic is the self so you're seeing all this through the lens of the self and so it critiques white power and privilege uh, while also removing, because they're considered white and privileged, words like objectivity, reason, uh, rationality, things like that. And I'm not being facetious. They literally say those are constructs of white oppression, having to reason, having to um, uh, that type of thing. So on the one hand, and why I say it's not helpful, it's like an accusation is lob- lobbied or lobbed mm-hmm. by the critical race theorist, but the means to address it is also cut off at the same time. So um, it's also, and perhaps this is not charitable, but in my mind it's a self-eating philosophy. In other words, it, it claims certain things to be objectively true while saying you can't say things like objectivity and yeah um but critical race theory is ascendant in 
one of the most popular books in the nation right now is called White Fragility by a critical race theorist. And it's full of that kind of... And I, if you look at... Like, uh, I encourage people to look up uh, John McWhorter, who's a linguist, African-American linguist. His discussion of that book, as well as Neil Shenvey, who's a Christian, or convert to Christianity, and an apologist. Both those guys are deep in the weeds, and um, I don't think John McWhorter's a Christian, but he was not, uh, he was very troubled by um, that book because he has seen it, uh, critical race, develop as, um, uh, he, he sees the current paradigm as an alternative religion. Um. So it, it sounds to me like, uh, if I were to try and summarize some of what you're saying, that uh, concrete, uh, unequivocal examples, is that a word, unequivocal? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm always intimidated when I sit and talk with you. Um, <laughs> uh, of racism, hatred, um, that those are, that that's uh, not as much of what you're addressing. Uh, in, in when you talk about um, the root causes and mm -hmm. when you talk about who's the critical race critical race theory critical race theory mm -hmm. um, it is uh, but you have a um, a uh, a perception and um, and uh, an eye for if somebody is speaking um, more with the perspective of uh, a victim mentality that seems to be an outgrowth of postmodern and critical race theory, uh, that it, it's... Uh, um, Best case, it will do nothing. Worst case, it'll make it worse, is my thesis. So for somebody who is... Uh, For somebody who may or may not be um, affected by critical race theory and the postmodern thinking, mm -hmm. but they are completely unaware of it. Mm -hmm. Like they, 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 uh, they just they heard it and it resonates with them, and so they're like, "Oh, okay, whatever it is, I'm experiencing that." Right. Um, uh, what. What's that conversation like for you? I guess with that. Oh, I would ask. I would. I would ask them to be curious. I would say, okay, so this is a person either who's experiencing or troubled by racial animosity. If that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. So, I would say, um, okay, let's let me hear your let me hear your story. Let me hear your perspective. Now, let's say they're talking about racial enmity. I would say, and let's say I completely agree that whatever experiences they've had have been egregious or wrong. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, because one of the most common things I hear from African Americans, uh, or that I've heard, I, I, um, is, uh, you know, there's the conversation that, that it seems like almost all of them have with their kids of, here's what you do when you learn to drive. Part of what you have to do is... 
you know, being conscious of what you, of the steps that you take when, if and when you get pulled over. Mm-hmm. And um, people who I know of as either law-abiding citizens or uh, people who um, are, are at least conscientious about mm-hmm. obeying driving laws, still being pulled over and, you know, making sure you have your have things ready like your ID out and mm-hmm. your hands on the wheel and you speak respectfully you move slowly so as not to alarm the uh, the police officer and so like with that sort of uh, of an example is that I've never had that personally right. I mean I've gotten pulled over because I was speeding right but I didn't <laughs> I was actually speeding I was in denial but that's just because I was young and dumb uh-huh um that's redundant, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that line is demarcated. Um, uh, but um, but I've never had the experience, and, and I don't think to have that conversation with my son, who's also Asian. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, maybe part of my question is, is that a victim mentality to, in your mind, or is that an injustice? Is it both? Is, uh, you know, how, uh, how does well, that conversation go for you? Um, so to get, uh, let me finish the hypothetical conversation I would have with, um, and maybe this can be wrapped into what you just said as well. So let's, let's say this, this person, let's say, say they've had true, undeniable, Bigotry, uh, like obviously in, in, in their direction. Okay, sure, right. And which I'm hearing them out, and I'm and I'm saying I agree. That's awful. And at the same time, they've been pulled over lots of times for things that don't seem like theoretically my light was out or whatever they've never been beaten by a cop or whatever but it's just like i'm getting pulled over a lot mm-hmm. you know this seems you know and i'm always polite and whatever but this seems so here's i think what my discussion on that would be um so when you tell me about this occasion of bigotry where this person said these things or did these things to you we can agree that that's racial enmity, right? To put it in biblical language, that's animosity, enmity, discord, division. And why I said curiosity is then I would say, okay, um, where do you think that enmity comes from? And if they say, I don't know, then I would say, do you think there are other kinds of enmity? You can hate someone because they're black or purple or pink. Um, What about when a husband hates his wife? What about when a cop hates a citizen? What about when a citizen hates a cop? What about when a voter hates a politician? There's a lot of enmity. There's, There's, what about when a father hates his son? Or vice versa. There's a lot of enmity in the world, of which racial enmity is one flavor. Mm-hmm. 
But there's a lot of enmity. My point in saying that is, Genesis tells us about enmity and the, the reason that there is enmity. There's a reason the son hates the father. There's a reason the black hates the white. There's, a, we know the reason, the Christian has a worldview and a paradigm that explains that. Mm -hmm. um, the Christian is also saying, I only, I am a broken record and I only know of one way of a real effectual reconciliation. And that's in the cross of Jesus. I don't know of any other way. That is, all other ways are temporary, fleeting, superficial. And therefore, they're going to be dis unsatisfying. Mm -hmm. We can, uh, and that's what I feel modern apostles of critical race theory and social justice, their whatever solutions they have, I feel personally they're doing more harm than good but even if they were successful i think they'd be ephemeral they wouldn't be lasting because true reconciliation happens at the foot of the cross so in that sense i'm a broken record now if so this person but this person has experienced a, a legit wrong okay mm -hmm. that i'm talking to now at the same time they're also getting pulled over a lot right mm -hmm. so there i would say now let's talk about that for a second. Now, of course, this this there has to be some relational capital here. I'm not just gonna. Uh, not I gonna be, just approach. A random I want, yeah, I want to be very careful and person. sensitive how I'm. Just like I would want them to be, uh, with me. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, um, you're getting pulled over a lot, and it seems to be just because of your race. Now, my question would be, do you know why that is? And they would. I'm assuming they would say, yeah, it's because I'm black. They pull over black people way more. And that's why you say curious, because you want them to have some, uh, you, you want you want them to not feel such a tight grip on that this is the only reason for it. Is that? Uh, yeah, or, or that, in other words, that because if your narrative, what I'm driving at is, <clears throat> what the, the narrative usually tends to be pretty surface level on the, that kind of bigotry. And it's it's like this bad white cop hates black guy mm -hmm. so he pulls him over a lot harasses him i would maintain that in modern america i'm not talking about 1920s alabama i'm talking about modern america mm -hmm. the um uh, your average cop is going through a, a series of calculations um hundreds and hundreds of calculations when he interacts with potential suspects mm -hmm. or identifies potential suspects uh, suspects. An unfortunate reality that, uh, you know, obviously African Americans know, but it's, it's sad, but it's true, is that they're disproportionately represented in, uh, as people that are arrested and incarcerated. Mm -hmm. Now you can say, and you can maintain, I, I wouldn't agree with it, but you could maintain, you could say that is all a function of racism. Mm -hmm. If we were not racist, you would see parity in arrest rates and incarceration rates. Mm -hmm. I don't think the data backs that up, but I would love to see that. I don't know who, I don't know any people who wouldn't love to see that perfect parity. Mm -hmm. But so if, if I don't care what the skin color is, I don't care if it was a Chinese person or a person from Bangladesh is trying to tell me that they're uh, being harassed systematically oppressed 
And if they're trying to tell me at the same time that they are as innocent as the driven snow, then we're going to have to part ways philosophically and theologically because I don't think they are as innocent as the driven snow. But I allow for the fact that because of sin, there there can be systematic oppression Mm -hmm. and there can be systematic uh, racism, so to speak. There can be clumps of it. Mm -hmm. And obviously there has been in world history. But that's that's why I say just uh, be curious. I would always be sympathetic, even if I can't be empathetic, mm-hmm. even if I haven't lived it, but as, as human being, like, yeah, I have most of my friends and family, almost, almost no one I know has a brother that's going to be in prison for life. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I'm not going to use that as a trump card in every relationship. Like, you don't know what it's like to have a brother who's not only going to be in prison the rest of his life, but was one of the most famous criminals in America. Right. How would that feel to you? Right. Like it's been nationally covered. Yeah. But so then is that a conversation ender then? Somebody hasn't experienced that? So they, they're not allowed to critique me? They're not allowed to, right? you know? I've had that experience, but I still, we're still here at work and our general manager Noah is still going to give me job reviews and my wife is still going to tell me when I've done something that's upset her. Despite the fact, yes, that's part of my story is that most other people haven't had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is part of what makes it so um, um, complex and layered. Um, it, certainly there's the victim mentality that uh, some people just may readily adorn. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people may uh, knowingly do it. Some people may not knowingly do it. Um, and some people can say, too, I, I, I think, like... You know, we work with some immigrants, and like I, I think there have been times when I just think, like, do I understand what their life is like? Mm-hmm. Like, do I understand what it's like to have um, flee a circumstance where I'm willing to leave a culture, an economy, a community, uh, a language that I know and is comfortable for me? But there are certain levels that are certain aspects of my life in this country that I'm going to leave all of that comfort and familiarity because I'm going to come to America. Right. Like, and that's what my grandparents did, right? And right. and my parents experienced greater levels of discomfort than I did. Right. And so um, I don't necessarily think I should feel uh, – well, I don't know how I should feel about that sometimes, but I, I think that there's an acknowledgement of I don't know what your plight is like. I don't know – um, because it's, um, I don't have the same pain points that certain people do to a point where I'm going to say, um, um, that I, I you know, uh, that I'm going to say that something needs to change. Right. And, um, I wonder if for me, if I'm, um, if I'm just comfortable not speaking up because I feel secure mm-hmm. and, um, I you know obviously the sense of security can come in different forms right it can it can come th- through whether or not we feel um, you know through healthier relationships it can come through a sense of success it can come through it should always come through um, faith right mm-hmm. faith in Christ mm-hmm. and um, uh, but <clears throat> excuse me. 
Um, but I, you know, I, I feel secure. I don't feel, yeah. I don't feel a level of fear when I get behind the wheel. I don't feel a level of fear as I think about my son going out into the world, at least not the same way that I hear uh, black people talk about it. And more recently, obviously. And, um, and so uh, it, thinking through it that way, it, it's just, um, it's not, it, I, I don't, it's not to say that other people haven't had pain or other races haven't had pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, there's the Holocaust. There's, you right. know, the uh, internment camps yeah. uh, of World War II. Um, and, um, well, I, I think, to your point, I think that this, you know, if in the Christian's tool belt, the sympathy tool should always be sharp and ready to be used. In other words... Christians should always be very ready to be sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Should be the most sympathetic people on the planet. Um, and uh, and always also ready to be challenged by the kind of radical selflessness of the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Willing to help those that society has deemed as the other or the unwanted or the unwashed, whatever. Um, from from our work, so when in this comes to us in very tangible ways, um, I don't I don't remember which of these examples you might know, but I'll make them ob- ob- <laughs> oblique enough to show kind of how this <clears throat> works out in ways that can be encouraging and but also uh, kind of heartrending. So we had one immigrant here who applied, who when. When he left his country, it was uh, kind of in war and chaos and literally like the situation where like the village is getting burned and he has to march all the way across the country to a point of safety and he's going with five or six other kids at the time yeah. and, you know, eventually makes his way to America. I mean... I've never had my heart go out to somebody more than when I was hearing this story as we were interviewing this person and wanting nothing but good for them. Mm -hmm. And I'll keep races and ethnicities out of it. But um, he comes over and um, doesn't work with us long because he does some no calls, no shows, and then just kind of quits. And that was heartbreaking. That's like, I, I was so ready to be supportive of this individual mm-hmm. and their story was so compelling that you wanted the win. So we've had that. And then we've also had others that have literally fleed religious persecution um, in the Ukraine and have uh, come here and have met with a, a varying degrees of success. Mm-hmm. Also had a very you know heartrending story of having to leave their home country because they're believers and are being persecuted. Mm-hmm. So we see this work out practically. And unfortunately, sometimes the answers, the way it plays out is not, um, uh, it's kind of like no one gave us the chart to figure this one out. Like you're all the sympathy is there the for this individual and you wish nothing but success. And then the, they, um, not that they're like a bad person, but they seem to just kind of turn the other way. Yeah. So, 
And you and I have seen that, you know, multiple times. So um, it's there's not the the cookie cutter answers are elusive. Right. I mean, I think um, it's uh, as some people have discussed. You know, there should be legislation put in place and all these other things. Like I, I I'm a little more hesitant towards those things because, um, um, well. I guess theoretically, legislation should be the outgrowth of the desires of the community, mm-hmm. and um, it would seem obviously. I think a little bit, maybe a little bit more too idealistically in certain things that I'm um, convinced of, but there there need to be through sympathy, empathy, attempted empathy, but certain things we can't be empathetic about, mm-hmm. um, just on an individual level. Like, hey, help me understand. Help me understand what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, help me connect with you. Um, help me... Uh, give me opportunity to care for you. Mm-hmm. And those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, you know, you would hope that, okay, wow, we should change some things. And hopefully it would be more precise and it would be more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and that takes... I mean, and there are very felt needs, very, uh, very concrete pains that people have, um, and but then I think you you know you you do illuminate too on the uh, on a uh, conceptual philosophical side um, that it, it is certainly possible that people misassign some concrete pains to be something that uh, they may or may not be, but also some beliefs that. Um, there's nothing else that can be done about them. Like there's maybe only one solution. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I, I'm trying to maintain for myself just a, a softer clay, a, a blanker canvas of like, okay, what, what am I know? I know my experience. I, th- I have a perspective on my experience. Right. Um, and, um, but. Uh, you know, the more people you meet, the more experiences you have, the more you find out what you don't, what you didn't know before, and um, and but it's 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 hard because um, on an individual level, it's uh, to to be conscious of the, the 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 wrong philosophies, the wrong thoughts, the wrong perspectives that may be out there. Um, it can be dismissive to certain people groups or certain things that people say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, it, it is in some senses it, it's it's one of the dangerous things about um, being so in touch with your feelings and pain points that um, it, it's uh, um, I mean I, I do this often and my wife <laughs> chides me for but like it's just like i i get frustrated about something and then i just blame something that is um or assign it to something that is uh that i'm most frustrated with and um like for example like you kick the dog and you say it's because i had a bad day at work correct or like uh like being frustrated with um somebody at work and it's like, well, because they haven't talked to me about this stuff. And sometimes she'll say, well, have you talked to them? And emotionally, my response is, well, they should know. Right. 
And by the way, how dare you? <laughs> well, Ben, that's why I'm recording this conversation. No. Um, but uh, there is, I just, the best way I've, I've thought to, the clearest way that I've thought to put it, because I've, I feel like it's so layered and complex that there's just a relational divide um, between communities. And the communities are not as tightly interwoven as um, we would want them to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, whether it's completely between races or people between who feel secure and those who don't feel secure. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, but, you know, if, if, if I were to assign imprecise labels, whether it be conservative, liberal, racial, all these things. Like I, I just, I, I think part of the impressionable canvas uh, that I, I'm trying to maintain is that I don't want to lose, um, I, I want to make more space for certain voices, whether mm-hmm. those are black voices or oppressed voices or uh, frustrated voices. But I don't also want to lose um, touch with, you know, uh, the voices that, um, are more familiar to me, right? Um, because I don't, I don't that I don't think that they have to exist in uh, in the absence of the other, right? Right? Like, um, yeah, I think I, I, like I I can value law enforcement, mm-hmm. and I can also believe that certain people are just really bad. Right. Uh, either at their jobs or uh, at, in their intentions, right. right? And some of those people could also be in law enforcement. Yeah. But, I th- but law enforcement exists for a very good reason. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah, I think that's where again the I just the biblical. Not only do I believe it, but I think the biblical worldview makes so much sense <clears throat> of the world. I I could absolutely tell you many. Um, having worked in law enforcement, I could tell you many troubling things. Um, I could tell you about prosecutors who just want to close a case and they're not too concerned about who gets pinned or not. Mm-hmm. Um, cops that are, if they're not dirty, they're gray. Sure. Um, <clears throat> systems... Uh, uh, a, a system of criminal justice that seems to put people on a hamster wheel and makes it very difficult for them to get out of it and seems to be money focused as far as an endless cycle of bail and warrant money that goes in and out of the court. There's a lot of problems because you have a, turns out you have a bunch of sinners in the criminal justice system mm-hmm. and in politics and um and I think it's more, it's not, I, I totally agree with you as far as the, what you're saying about being clay. I think I just say, <clears throat> I, I'm willing to entertain, um, it's not that I don't want to hear this guy's story. It's that there are so many other stories. I'll absolutely listen to Johnny Cochran, who's lead counsel on the O.J. Simpson case, who I know, yes, as he was growing, as he was growing in the prosecutors in prestige and whatever as a lawyer in the prosecutor's office in Los Angeles, and then became a very famous independent lawyer. Mm-hmm. That even as he was in his prosecutor's office, he would regularly get pulled over by the police, who was technically like working under him. Right, and you know he's putting the hands on the hood of the car and stuff, and getting embarrassed in front of his son. 
that leaves a mark. Yep. And gives you an incentive to be like, I'm going to give it to these guys when it one of these days. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I, I also have to listen to the stories of the Chinese person uh, after Japan invaded or the Ukrainian during the famine under Stalin or the Irish, whatever. Um, there are a lot of stories of uh, sad human versus human behavior. And um, uh, I would just want to broaden the scope and then ultimately give the hope of reconciliation in Christ because I don't know of another ultimate reconciliation where those who have been at each other's throats literally or figuratively can meet and embrace. Yeah, I, I do think it's, it's I mean, it's, it, balance is the word that keeps coming to mind, but it is difficult when... Uh, there are certain things, certain convictions that we should have that should maintain, uh, that should maintain its rigidity, right? Like our uh, our faith in Christ, our belief system about who God is, um, and um, I think poorly communicated, those belief systems and that rigidity can sound insensitive, mm-hmm. and it can f- uh, sound unfeeling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, any any sense that those beliefs, those intangible beliefs and values, the way that they trickle down to the concrete is always, uh, I guess it's difficult. Yeah. Right? Well, and to make it completely personal, like I, I can't, if, if my wife says, hey, you've mistreated me, mm-hmm. it's insufficient for me to say, look, everybody's wife at some point gets mistreated by their <laughs> husband. Right. There's a relational right. component where right. it's like, well, no, but I've mistreated you, so let's figure out how I can rectify that. Right. Um, so I think that's a little bit of what you're driving at, where it's not... If, if I said that to my wife, it's true. Right. It's true that most husbands, the vast majority, at some point, in some way, mistreat their wives. Right. But I still have a relational component that I have to keep alive. Right. An obligation, a uh, responsibility, but also a desire, right? Because you want the relationship to be uh, right. You want mm-hmm. it to be, um, yeah, reconciled. Yeah. Um, did uh, you mentioned Grimke? Mm-hmm. Did Did he have uh, any in in reading his writings? Did he have any insight on on um, Racial tensions. That I have to read to more of his stuff, but I think uh, I think I know enough to know that virtually anything he wrote on it, uh, I could probably in, endorse. But I, frankly, I'd have to I have to read more of it because okay. I've I've only dipped in here and there. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, I I, I uh, took some um, opposite, not maybe in opposite positions, but I, I challenged you on some some things today and so i appreciate you entertaining them and that's entertaining good. them well that's good, that's good. <laughs> hopefully we're sharpening each other yeah amen um and i appreciate you uh taking time for the conversation today and um you know we keep focusing on faith resilience and community through you know the pandemic and then also as we think through race relations and uh what god is doing through all that um so thank you again for your time ben keller amen onward and upward michael Lowe, and uh to the lord be the glory Indeed. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. I hope you're all doing well. Faith, resilience, and community.